So Money Episode 377, Harry Campbell, Rideshare Guy. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. March 15th, Ides of March. How's everyone doing? Thank you for joining me. Raise your hand if you've ever taken an Uber or a Lyft or any other ride-sharing service. I rely on Uber a lot. It might be one of those things that I actually really splurge on, like I ask my guests at the end of the show. It also makes my life easier and better at times because sometimes hailing a cab is impossible and Uber is so convenient. It's connected to your credit card, which can be very dangerous. And uh, there's a point to all of this, I promise. And the point is, is that today's guest is an expert on all things Uber and Lyft. He was once a full-time aerospace engineer and a part-time Uber, Lyft, and sidecar driver. His name is Harry Campbell, and he discovered ride-sharing as a passenger several years ago when he moved from San Diego to Orange County, and he decided to give it a try as a driver. Why? I'm not so sure. I'm going to ask him that because you're an aerospace engineer. Do you really need to be driving Uber? I guess he thought it might be a fun or flexible way to earn some money. Well, he loved it so much, got so curious. He started to really explore the marketplace to try to find resources for drivers who were just starting out like him, you know, how to really earn more, how to track your expenses, things like that, but realized there was not a lot of information out there that was supporting the drivers. So that's when he started his blog, The Rideshare Guy. In early 2015, he actually left his job, can you believe this, as an engineer to pursue blogging and running the rideshare guy full time. Today, Harry is also a contributor to Forbes, and he's got his own podcast, The Rideshare Guy Show. I love talking to Harry. He's so cool. I, I wanted to know, first and foremost, you know, why he made the transition to The Rideshare Guy blog, why he wanted to quit aerospace engineering, what kind of fulfillment he finds in this that he wasn't finding in his previous job. Is it really a practical way to make extra money? I know that some of you have even written in wondering if, hey, I'm thinking of, you know, taking on Uber or Lyft as a part-time side gig. Should I do this? Is it worth my money and time? Because, you know, obviously you have to invest in a car and gas and uh, maintenance and all of that. He talks about whether it's worth it, who should be doing this and who shouldn't. 
And this guy, Harry, you know, outside of the Rideshare Guy blog, he has really established a cool brand for himself. He's out there speaking. He's partnering with brands. He's got sponsorships on the website. He's got the podcast. He's really growing a little bit of an empire here. So I wanted to ask him about that, how he learned how to do this. I don't think they teach you this in aerospace engineering school, right? He breaks it down for us. Without further ado, here is Rideshare Guy, Harry Campbell. Harry Campbell, Rideshare Guy. Welcome to So Money. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I just got out of an Uber. <laughs> no <laughs> joke. Nice. <laughs> I literally got out of an Uber, got to my apartment, had a snack, and logged on. And here we are podcasting. And get this, my Uber driver opened the door for me. Wasn't that sweet? Wow, Uber that X is, uh, too. It wasn't even like yeah. Uber fancy, Uber black. It was Uber X and opened the door for me in the rain. Wow. Awesome. Really nice, right? Um, he, uh, he sounds like a reader of my site because I'm always telling perhaps, my drivers to go above and beyond what everyone else is doing. <laughs> really? So, okay, let's talk about how you became the rideshare guy because I think that story in and of itself, beyond... Besides, of course, how the Rideshare Guy blog and podcast is helping people, your journey to become this, can I say, brand, um, yes. blogger, podcaster, very inspiring and happened all within just a matter of a couple of years. Um, yeah. Interesting that you started out as a an aerospace engineer full-time, and yep. then you became a part-time Uber and Lyft and sidecar driver what was the need? I mean, why? It seems like as an aerospace engineer, you're plenty busy. You're making okay, good money. Why mm -hmm. Why even go down that path? Yeah. And that's actually one of the questions that a lot of people asked me when I was first getting started as an Uber driver. But for me, it wasn't necessarily about the money or anything like that. I mean, obviously, I'm always looking for side hustles and side gigs that are going to make me money. And that's kind of why I do them. But I also try to learn about new things that I'm doing or find things that I'm passionate about. And so I think for me, I wasn't necessarily passionate about becoming an Uber driver, but it was something that seemed really interesting to me. I had taken a bunch of Uber rides like yourself as a passenger and all of my drivers were telling me how awesome it was. They were telling me how much money they were making. And I was thinking to myself, all right, I got to check this out for myself. So I just went out one day and signed up from my couch actually and did it. Did you enjoy it right away? I know I watched your video and you have this cute little video on your site that's like a cartoon. It's like, is it Frank? Chuck. Chuck. Okay. So if you're Chuck and you're starting to ride Uber or drive Uber, I should say, it's exciting in the beginning, but then it kind of plateaus and you kind of lose your excitement for it. Did that happen to you? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the first couple months are definitely a honeymoon period because it's a fun job. I mean, when you're first out there, you're not even thinking about how much money you're making. You're not really thinking about your expenses or any of that lame business stuff, right? You're just thinking about, hey, I'm going to go out and drive and make some money, talk to a bunch of cool people. I mean, everyone who's taking Uber has a really interesting story and a lot of them like to talk. Some of them don't. But you know, most for, for the most part, your passengers are pretty cool and it makes the job very enjoyable. And so I think a lot of people really enjoy it. But after a month or two, a lot of little micro pain points start to come up, whether it's starting to realize, hey, how much money am I actually making? Or what's up with this insurance situation or taxes or, you know, just kind of a whole host of issues that basically traditional business owners all face too. 
It's not for everyone, right? I had a listener actually call or write in and ask me, hey, you know, Farnoosh, I'm thinking of doing Uber as a side gig, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried that my taxes are going to go up because obviously the more money you make, the higher the tax bracket potentially. And um, I wasn't really sure what to tell her because I said, yeah, of course your tax exposure could yeah. go, could get higher, <laughs> but at the same time you're making more money and that's good. Yeah. But then there's expenses. I mean, this is not passive income. This There's a lot of overhead. There's the car, mm-hmm. the maintenance, the gas, um, the parking potentially, the housing of the car. How do you know when it's actually, quote unquote, worth your time and your money to be an Uber driver, a Lyft driver, or any sort of car share guy or gal? Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that the biggest thing to keep in mind is that with this line of work, there's a lot of variability. So in a normal job, you might have 10 people that all start at the same time on the same day and they all get paid the same amount. With Uber, the best drivers are actually rewarded with more money. And so it's kind of a nice thing because if you're out there working really hard and doing things that other drivers aren't doing and finding the best times and places to drive, you're going to make more money. So you know, why that is that respect, though? Can you explain that to me? Like, is there an algorithm? Does Uber is, is Uber playing um, Big Brother? Like, how do they know? <laughs> well, some of it is obviously based off luck of where you're getting rides and you know how far the how far the riders are going. But I mean, for example, what I tell most drivers to. St- where you should start is start with the party hours. We call those party hours, Friday, Saturday nights. That's when everyone's out drinking, out having fun, taking lots of Ubers, right? But that's also when the most number of drivers are out. So if you think about it from a supply and demand point of view, you want to be out when the most number of passengers are out, but also when the least number of drivers are out, because that could lead to higher surge pricing, which would mean more money for you. And so there's lots of opportunities to go out and drive and basically find times that other drivers aren't willing to do or don't know about. I mean, for example, one thing that we've kind of found and I've talked about on my site is from 4 to 6 a.m., there's not a ton of rides, but everyone that's leaving the house at 4 to 6 a.m. is going to the airport. There are a lot of people that go to the airport at 4 or 5 a.m. because it's before work, but it's also after the time where people are going out. So if you're on the road or if you're leaving your house at that point, it's really that's probably the only reason why you're leaving. And those rides could be nice and long, no traffic. And so that's kind of an example of where you can go out and find ways to make a little extra money that other drivers aren't taking advantage of. And then you can grab somebody from the airport back to to the city or wherever you were, you, were, you were coming from. Yep, hopefully. You know, today I took an Uber. I take a lot of Ubers, I have to say, but it's part of my job. I get reimbursed. It's cool. Um, mm-hmm. I took an Uber, to, an Uber to CNBC, which is in New Jersey, all the way mm-hmm. from Brooklyn. So it was about an hour ride in the rain. And uh, the driver was really great, got there. And then I felt really bad because he said, well, I guess I have to go all the way back to New York yeah. now. I go, well, why don't you just pick somebody up from New Jersey? He's like, not a chance. He's like, everyone here has a, has a car. Like no one's getting Uber in New Jersey. It's the suburbs. Um, so I felt kind of bad. Should I feel bad? I mean, I think that it's definitely he nice chose to, come you pick to me feel up. bad. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is right now as it stands in, I mean, Uber is testing some pretty cool features right now. So for example, they're testing features that would allow that driver to set a destination. So let's say he wants to go back to New York in the future. He'll be able to set a destination and he'll only get rides headed back in that direction. So if he's going to drive back empty handed, at least he has the potential or possibility of picking up a ride headed in that direction. So, I mean, the system isn't perfect yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say it's even far from perfect. There are a lot of inefficiencies. But going forward, I think that's kind of the cool thing that there's room for a lot of cool innovation that's going to make it a lot more efficient for both sides. 
All right. So back to your journey, you start to mm-hmm. experiment with the different car share companies. Yeah. You're really liking it. You're kind of looking, we're learning how to work smart. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide this is going so well? I'm going to quit my job as an aerospace <laughs> engineer, which by the way, probably wasn't an inexpensive degree. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but I did go to a state school, so it wasn't too expensive. All right. Cool. <laughs> Well, I guess one step back. I mean, the first thing I did, honestly, within about two weeks of starting driving, I started looking up to see if there were any resources, if there are any blogs, if there are any forums or anything like that with people answering questions or talking about what their experience was like as a driver, just so I could educate myself, maybe learn from the pros. And I couldn't find a single blog that was producing consistent content. I found a few one-off articles here and there, but I didn't find a single site that had more than one article on what it was like to be an Uber driver. And a light bulb just kind of went off in my head. And I said, you know what? I think I need to start talking about what it's like and see what happens. So that was really kind of the beginnings of my blog. And to be clear, about a year later, when I did end up leaving my job as an aerospace engineer, it was to do the blog full-time, not to uh, become an Uber driver full-time. So are you still driving Uber? Yeah, I mean, I still do it here and there. Uh, my full time thing now is running the blog and kind of managing everything that's going on. But uh, definitely, that was one of the things for me that I thought was really important. I mean, I was all of my articles when I was first starting the blog, I was really talking about from firsthand experience. And I think that there were people writing about what it was like to be an Uber driver. And they may have been drivers themselves, but there were Uber was paying some pretty huge referral bonuses and kind of like your traditional affiliate marketing referral type incentives. And so there were a lot of people who were basically talking up Uber and how amazing it was, but not really highlighting any of the parts that sucked. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so for me, I took uh, the basically I took the strategy where I was going to try to really build a community of people who trusted me and say, hey, Uber is a great job for certain people for certain situations. And here's how you can leverage it to make the most amount of money. But there's also some problems with it. And I tried to cover both sides really fairly. And so I think that that was kind of one of the big things that helped me stand out as I was growing my audience. How much money can you really make driving Uber? Like best case scenario? I'd say that in the bigger cities like a San Francisco, uh, New York or L.A., I think probably in the 20 to 25 dollars an hour range. And you also probably have to take into account your expenses. So definitely that's going to be at least a few dollars an hour. Uber's cut. You make 20 to 25 dollars an hour. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's probably and definitely in the bigger cities, I'd say probably a little bit better of an average for people all around the country is going to be like in the 10 to $20 an hour range. Hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. I actually was in a lift in San Francisco. Asked mm-hmm. the guy. He was very open. And I don't even think I asked him. He just said flat out, you know, how much he loved Lyft. And he mm-hmm. said, on, on a good week, you can make $1,000 in a week. And you're not really working crazy hours. You're working like 40 hours. Yeah. Uh, and the more you, I guess, the more you drive the more of a cut you like the the bigger percentage you get you get to take home i think so lyft has a cool program called power driver bonus which basically says if you work 40 to 50 hours a week um and it's based off rides but you basically have to work about 40 to 50 hours a week then they'll give you their full commission back they'll give you their 20 yeah, percent wow. back which is pretty it's a kind of a cool thing because it really rewards all the drivers who are putting in the most number of hours 
If you're running your own business, you know you do whatever it takes to make sure it's running efficiently. And let's be honest, constant trips to the post office can get in the way of productivity. With Stamps.com, I've managed to spend less time at the post office and more time growing my business. Stamps.com makes mailing and shipping easy. Use your own computer and printer to buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package. What I love about Stamps.com is that it does all the thinking for you. With the digital scale, it will calculate the exact postage needed and helps you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. And it's been a total lifesaver for me and my assistant. From the comfort of our office, we've been able to send out business contracts and gifts for my clients easily and efficiently. Join over 500,000 small businesses like mine that use Stamps.com and never go to the post office again. Right now, you can sign up for Stamps.com and use my promo code SOMONEY for this special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait, go to stamps.com. And before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in so money. That's stamps.com. Enter so money. So how did you learn how to become an online superstar? I mean, (laughs) I guess they don't teach you that in aerospace engineering school. They don't teach you that riding Uber. You did. No. A, I have to say, very impressed with your online branding, the the amount of press you've earned yourself over the last year. You mm-hmm. um, are are really just hitting it um, out of the gate. What are the, whatever the expression is, you're hitting it out of the ballpark. Yeah, I think that hitting uh, it out of the I'm park. I'm terrible, maybe, by the way. If you, right. Anyone, <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I'm terrible at idioms. Well, terrible. I like that you're at least trying the sports. Analogies. I try. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm like, it's a running joke in my house. Um, I can't get anything right, but I, 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 it doesn't stop me. Yeah. So, well, I actually, I was going to leave this for a little surprise, but I actually did, uh, use, or I do still own it. My first blog was actually a personal finance blog. And really? so that's Which kind one? of how it's called your personal finance pro. So it's pretty small. And I started about five years ago and it never really took off, but that's really where I like to say that I honed my skills and learned a ton about just blogging, creating content in general, and just networking with lots of other bloggers. And that's kind of how I was familiar with your name, obviously from kind of the personal finance space. And, and all so that the truth comes out. Yeah. So the truth comes out. <laughs> well, you then are a finance expert, I'm going to say. And so let's transition <laughs> now to the so money questions. I, I loved hearing about your your cool kind of foray into car sharing, car ride, car share riding and um, how you basically turned this into a, an entrepreneurial venture for yourself. What's your money mantra, Harry? Do you have a financial philosophy that you live by? I would say that my financial philosophy just has a lot to do with, I mean, I just try to prioritize, you know, if something's important, I'm going to prioritize it. I I guess that's kind of the best way to put it. Um, So for me, you know, there's lots of little tasks that you can worry about and there's lots of things that you could potentially do, but I try to go after the low hanging fruits, take care of those first and move my way on from there. How did you learn to be good with money? maybe it started in childhood. Can you take me down memory lane a little bit? 
Yeah, definitely. I actually have a funny story that uh, I don't I don't know that I was necessarily like, good with money. I just always was looking at ways to make money and kind of like those classic entrepreneur stories. I mean, in I think ninth or 10th grade, um, uh, my mom used to pack me these amazing lunches and, you know, they came with everything. They had a, an apple, a bag of chips, a really nice sandwich with all the toppings, a Snapple even. <laughs> and I still remember that there was one girl in my English class and she used to always want to buy my buy my lunch and so I started basically having my mom make me two lunches and then I would sell this girl my second lunch (laughs) and you know so it was just kind of like for me it was always just looking for these opportunities where you you know that one yeah I mean honestly that one may have been taking advantage of my mom a little too much but it was really just always looking for these opportunities to make money that you know didn't require a ton of work or a ton of effort and I've sort of always gravitated to those types of opportunities and really just you know and now you know with some of my more bigger business ventures I'm really trying to align things that I'm passionate about with business opportunities so I've kind of taken that and you know kind of taken it to the next level a little bit. So what are your revenue streams now? Tell me. Sure. So actually, right now, I have three main revenue sources. So my number one revenue source is lead gen. So basically finding new drivers for all of these companies. So right now I'm promoting Uber, Lyft, Postmates and DoorDash. The last two are basically food delivery companies. Uber and Lyft are rideshare companies. So all of these companies have big problems on the supply side and they need tons of drivers. So for me, I often just go out and do these services myself. I just tried out Postmates. I did a bunch of deliveries with them. I just tried out DoorDash and I'm about to start doing some deliveries with them. And then I write about my experience, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, I think that that's really helped. They let you write about the ugly. Um, so luckily <laughs> it's not a traditional affiliate program that I'm in with these <laughs> companies. It's, um, I, so I actually just sign up as a driver and use just my drive. So drivers are able to refer, um, other drivers. And so I just sign up as a driver and then use the exact same referral codes that every other driver is using just at much larger scale. <laughs> so I think that was honestly one of the things that really benefited me at the beginning, because if I would have started making a few thousand dollars here and there off Uber and I was in an affiliate program and they said, hey, we don't like what you're saying. Who knows? I may have never actually grown my audience to the mm-hmm. size that it is today. So, yeah. <laughs> so what's next? Um, I mean, ride sharing is not obviously a fad. It's been around mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I, I can't imagine a world where I have to suddenly go back to hailing a cab or... <laughs> no, that's definitely not going to happen. But what's the next generation of... of transportation in is just uber is that it like this is this is the future are we in it are we living the future honestly i think the future is still coming because right now um i mean it's kind of cool because i see i get like kind of a behind the scenes look i always see what uber's testing i see what startups in the space are working on because they're all pitching me their ideas and they want me to write about it and um you know really what i think Yeah, really what I think it's moving towards, though, is more of a logistics network than anything. And kind of the example that I would use is, right, so there's Uberpool right now, which allows carpooling from two passengers in the same, near the same pickup point that are headed to the same general direction. And I think that what we're going to see going forward is just more of a logistics network where a driver could have two passengers in the backseat that don't know each other, um, a package in the trunk, and maybe a burrito in the glove compartment, right? And you're really kind of combining all of these different aspects 
aspects of logistics networks because everything is moving towards on-demand delivery, right? Amazon Prime, two-day Amazon Prime is amazing. And now they somehow get it to you like same day. Same and day, in some love cities, it. They're even testing the same hour, right? So clearly people, clearly there's a demand for that instant and on-demand delivery. And so it's really, I think we're headed to a world where everything is almost going to be on-demand no matter what you want. And it's kind of heading in the area where it may be Uber is going to be the one providing all of those logistics. You're totally right. I see them experimenting with like Uber deliveries of food yeah. and they even do these fun things and I've never been able to, you know, really take advantage of this, but you know, in New York we have different festivals and fashion week and they'll do some promotions where they'll say, you know, you know call an Uber between one and three and um, you might get a bag of goodies from fashion. Yeah. Week. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, they actually have really, you know, these companies have really got their promotions and their marketing budgets are huge. And to be honest, you can learn a lot from what they're doing in fact in, in the marketing side of things. I mean, Lyft is doing a really cool promotion right now where they're teaming up with famous people, famous athletes, they, and having them go undercover as Lyft drivers. And, you know, they did Jerry Rice during the Super Bowl and Danica Patrick during some big race, uh, NASCAR race the other day. And so it's really cool to see kind of like uh, these companies really going out there and doing some cool marketing stuff. When have you failed miserably at your finances? Was there ever a time when you had a a bad experience, uh, a boo boo? <laughs> um, I would say that probably just my biggest. I, I don't know that I could point to one single event, but I would say that my biggest one was probably just waiting too long to really start looking into investing and really start kind of taking control of my finances. Because for me, when I was working in, I mean, I was working in college and I had a ton of money saved up and I didn't really do anything with it. Um, You know, and once I started working as an engineer in 2009, when I graduated, I started looking into finance and dabbling a little here and there, but it still wasn't, you know, even two or three years before I really started hammering down and figuring things out. So I would say if anything, just the earlier you can get started, the better was the lesson for me. Can I ask your age? Yeah, I'm 29 right now. So I'm still young, but I think, you know, even the earlier, the better for sure. sure. Before you're even born. How about that? (laughs) I started saving for my son's college education before he was born. Did you know you could even do that? You could start a 529 for someone who's not even alive yet. That is very cool. Very it's pretty cool. cool. Assuming that colleges will still be around when he, yeah, <laughs> people knows? will they still may, value uh, them. They may take your, they may follow your lead and go the entrepreneurial path and just cash that uh, college funds into a vacation fund. Well, I just hope <laughs> that the government, you know, that they maybe will allow you to pursue that kind of that track with that same yeah. money. That would be cool. Definitely. All right. So your greatest success, your so money moment. What was it? Um, well, I'd say that my greatest success up until this point has been my blog, but more so than kind of building it, it's building the business and kind of lifestyle aspect around it. Because for me, I mean, my wife is in med school right now. She is working, for, you know, she's working pretty crazy hours. We moved from San Diego to Orange County. We're probably going to move again in a year. And a lot of her friends, a lot of the couples that she knows that are in med school, they don't even live together. They might be married. And, um, live in different cities. And for me, my business has now allowed me to be able to comfortably in a year or a year and a half when we probably have to leave uh, Los Angeles, California, um, to go pursue her residency, I'll be able to go with her and I'll be able to run my business wherever we go. So for me, that's kind of something that I'm really proud of and kind of an accomplishment that I'm really proud of. You are location agnostic officially. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Where would you never move to, though? I mean, that's a big gamble sometimes, you know, marrying a doctor. <laughs> you never know. Oh, what you're I got end her before living. she was I have a, a friend now whose husband is going through the whole residency process, yeah. and it could be Brooklyn, it could be Michigan, it could be New Jersey. Yeah, I would say I'm not going to name a specific city because then someone might send me some hate mail from that city. <laughs> but I'd say probably anything out there in the middle of the country that's not a direct flight away from Los Angeles, because that's where all my friends, you know, West Coast is mm-hmm. kind of where all my friends and family are. So if it's not a direct flight and it's kind of like out there in the middle of nowhere and it's not one of those big cities like Chicago or New York or Miami or something like that, those are probably the cities that I'm going to tell her to definitely try to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Please avoid. And then what's your number one financial habit? Something that you do habitually, consciously. It doesn't have to be every day, but you know, it's a big part of of your you would say a big part of your success. You know, I think that what I do that maybe not a whole lot of other people do is just reflect. I think that, you know, whether it's at the end of every month or at the end of every year, you know, you can, you spend a lot of time maybe budgeting or kind of planning for the future, but I think it's also just as important to kind of reflect and look back on what you did well and what you did poorly so that you can learn from those mistakes. And, you know, I kind of call them lessons learned. And that's a term for my engineering career. <laughs> you want to take those lessons learned and apply them to the future because if you're always planning for the future and never learning from your mistakes, you're just going to keep making those same mistakes. Exactly. Okay. This has been a lot of fun. I want to do some so many fill in the blanks with you. I start a sentence and you finish it. I might even throw in some wild ones because you're... All right. Let's do it. Hopefully I don't say You seem to be good on your feet. (laughs) Uh, Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is... Put the money into my savings account. So boring. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm boring. Well, what would you... Well, okay. The first thing I would buy is... Uh, okay. The first thing I would buy is a Tesla. <laughs> okay. Nice. Good answer. Good answer. Um, they look, I've, have you ever, have you ever driven a, in a Tesla or driven a Tesla? Yeah, I have. There's actually, there was a really cool company that reached out to me that does Tesla rides from LA to Vegas. Do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll definitely come meet with you guys. And they drove me around in a Tesla and I was pretty amazed to see, I mean, these cars are basically already self-driving and kind of the technology behind them. Teslas are amazing. The, the price point's a little bit high for me right now, considering I work from home and I only drive to yoga Monday mornings and that's it. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this brings up another interesting question, which is that who is your target audience? You're, it sounds like you're getting uh, calls and emails from all sorts of brands and opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, necessarily car related. Uh, I saw like, you know, TurboTax on your website. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Over 100,000 unique visitors. Who, why are brands so attracted to Rideshare Guy? Um, yeah. And I'm going to just update you. Yeah. We actually had 280,000 unique. 280? Yeah. Two, maybe two, somewhere around there. How big is your list? But, <laughs> um, my email list is not huge, but it's around 12, 13,000 right now. That's so. great. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely been growing rapidly though. And I mean, I think, you know, as far as, I mean, my target audience is really drivers. I'm really looking at people who are looking to work for any of these companies. Although I will say that I have a lot of people who who follow me because I mean, I do updates on the industry and I just kind of keep them updated in general because that's not, you know, for me, like obviously I'm trying to diversify my brand. I mean, I've started doing consulting with startups and consulting with other companies. And, you know, I just hired my first full-time employee to kind of handle a lot of the advertising and partnerships work to start working with a lot of these brands that want to work with us. 
this. So for me, that's kind of what uh, you know my goals are. I'm so impressed. It's so great and so fast. You started this in 2000, what, 14? Yeah, I just actually I'm coming up on my two year anniversary. Jeez. I started it May 2014, but oh uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> very cool, yeah. very cool. So glad Definitely. we connected. Okay, we're not done though. All right, um, let's keep it going. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is, um, I would say house cleaning because I hate yeah. doing that, and I always pay people to clean my house and everyone makes fun of me and kind of <laughs> why people give men a lot of uh i think just a lot of uh what's the word uh flack flack <laughs> i was gonna say slack see did it, i did it again yeah. i'm also it's also 9 30 on the east coast um there you go I'm a, i've it's been filming <laughs> all day i've been talking all day so i'm a little exhausted but th- this no is words. this is uh this has been really fun um so they give a lot of of flack for mm-hmm. having a house cleaner, whereas women, it's like you go, girl. <laughs> I guess that's because women traditionally are the ones who have to are burdened with all the housework. Yeah. <laughs> um, but good for you. Good for you. I endorse that too. Okay. All right. Thank My you. biggest splurge. Do you have a splurge? What is it? Uh, definitely. So I love to travel. So for me, I travel, spend a lot of money on traveling, just going and, you know, my schedule kind of allows it. So in the past couple months, I've gone to Mexico City, Puerto Vallarta, lots of local kind of, you know, Phoenix, Arizona type trips, San Francisco. And then in, in a couple months, I'll be going with my wife to Hong Kong and Bali. Wow. Nice. How long yeah. are you going to be going there for? We're going to be going to Hong Kong for four days and Bali for eight days. Okay. Good, good. A good almost two weeks. Oh, yeah, definitely. So should be awesome. The one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up. Um, <laughs> the one th- <laughs> is uh, the one thing I wish I'd learned about money is probably that it's not the most important thing in the world there. You know, I mean, for me, I've been fortunate to kind of build this business and it's something that I'm really passionate about. I mean, when I'm, when I was on vacation last weekend, I was working and some of my friends were asking me, why are you working right now? And for me, I was like, honestly, this doesn't feel like work to me. I- I kind of enjoy doing it and I'm making good money doing it. So I think that kind of prioritizing that above and uh, above everything else is not necessarily the best strategy. Mm. When I donate, I like to give to blank because... Um, so I'm not volunteering any of my time right now, but my most recent was, uh, working in a food kitchen in uh, Costa Mesa in Orange County. And that was when we used to live in Newport beach about six months ago. So that's kind of, for me, I like to give my time because obviously I can always give my money and I do donate to various causes here and there, but I think it takes a lot more effort to kind of go out there and find an opportunity where you can give back. And, you know, it also Mm -hmm. just kind of puts you in touch and sees how, you know, how less fortunate others are and makes you kind of appreciate what you have. And, you know, a lot of people can say it, but when you're out there like donating food, you know, bagging food and then handing it out or doing something like that, it definitely is a, you know, you feel good after you're doing it for sure. And last but not least, I'm Harry Campbell, AKA the rideshare guy. I'm so Mm -hmm. money because... (laughs) I'm so money because I (laughs) am only, I'm not yet 30, but I've still uh, done everything I have. So luckily I did it all before I was 30. (laughs) I'll say so. You're a 30 under 30. You're so money money 30 under 30. I should have had you on millennial week last week, but um, (laughs) 
your your success merits its own its own 30 minute episode on its awesome. own night. Thank you so much, Harry. I'm really impressed. I'm so glad we connected. I'll be following you and keep Definitely. us posted. For sure. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Harry Campbell, his website is therideshareguy.com. You can also follow him on Twitter by the same name, The Rideshare Guy. If you missed any of this or want the transcript, head over to somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, send me your question about money, career, family, life, balancing all of it. Click on Ask Farnoosh and I gather all your questions for the forthcoming Ask Farnoosh episodes on Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay with us. We've got lots of great more content coming your way. This podcast is very close to nearing 2 million listeners. Can you believe it? We've come a very long way. So thank you in advance to everybody out there who made that milestone possible. Hopefully going to announce it officially this week. Stay tuned. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. <laughs>